questions here. Uh, we will let everyone join us. And then in a minute, we will uh, let you talk a bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we're officially live. Hi, everyone. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Maxa Video Podcast. If you are watching us on, uh, if you are listening to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, please make sure to watch the episode on our YouTube channel late, later on. Because Ian here, uh, you can put a, a, the face with the, with the powerhouse name that Ian Negi is. So uh, definitely, and leave any comments you have for us uh, if you're joining us live, because we look forward to those. So without further ado, Ian, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on your show. I am so honored that you made the time. And I always, uh, I always love to do this. If you would tell us a bit about yourself, rather than me making a, you know, an introduction and maybe picking the stuff in your background that you don't feel like talking about, I would love you to spend just a few minutes telling us who Ian is, how did you get into this industry, and what do you focus on currently? Yeah, yeah, so my, um, thank you, Anna, for the introduction. Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit about me. So been in the direct response industry about 10 years. Previously, I used to work at Golden Hippo Media in LA, and then uh, that led to doing a bunch of stuff like, uh, copywriting like writing vsls producing vsls facebook ads google ads building web pages all sorts of things um i have like a like yeah so i was an ambulance driver and like lost my job and ended up randomly getting a job at golden hippo and that led to the whole direct response world um and then since then fast forward the last three years really been focusing on video specifically youtube as an advertising platform so Last almost four years now, we've had an agency called Inseply, which is uh, one of the top performance YouTube agencies in the world. And um, we also do video on other platforms as well. And we also built a tool called VidTal, which is a YouTube ad library because we're, we're really real, real nerds about YouTube ads. So we wanted to see what's working. So we built a software that actually allows us to track hundreds of thousands of ads and um and see how they're working on a day-by-day -day basis so that we can model them for our own campaigns and it's free you can check it out vidtao.com v-i-d-t-a-o and you can go in there and see what ads your competitors are running and all sorts of stuff it's, it's really cool so yeah that's what we're doing we, we've, we manage over 150 million dollars on, on youtube specifically and we do a lot of live production in, in portugal so neighbor semi-neighbor country to where you're at right now so over in europe and um yeah just doing a lot of a lot of fun stuff that's fantastic. Well, it's it's no secret we kind of well, we didn't bury the lead because we we added YouTube as a topic for for today's podcast, and uh, we do have a lot of our affiliates that run you know they run YouTube, and we create a lot of our offers for social and native. So if you don't mind, I uh, I have a few questions for you, and Please. I would just love to hear your you know expert opinion on those. So. Uh, I'm gonna dig right in because a lot of our affiliates have been running native forever mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of them are starting to get into Facebook or YouTube. Mm -hmm. So your advice to someone starting on YouTube, mm -hmm. what is, tell me, where should we start? What, what are the do's and don'ts uh, in your opinion? So first thing I'll say is if you have an offer that converts with a video sales letter somewhere in the funnel, um, first thing to do is try and see if you can get that approved as an ad. 
So I'm, I'm literally talking about that 45 minute video sales letter, run it as an in-stream ad on YouTube to the order form. And we've seen tremendous success with that strategy. Um, there, you know, there are often issues with compliance and that's where a good rep comes in. Um, so if anyone has any issues on the compliance side, feel free to reach out to me. We have very good Google contacts, um, actually in right next to Mountain View right now. So, um, here in Los Altos, right next to Mountain View. So, um, yeah, so that's the first thing VSL run it as an ad. And if you're running native, um, important thing to think about is how people are people, but platforms are kind of create a different context. So native, you have the image and the headline, someone clicks typically, right? So typically image headline, and then someone clicks and they go to either like a pre-sell page or actually go to, go to a, maybe a longer form page, whatever. Um, so YouTube is, is you can, is, can be a good analog for that. In fact, I, we did an article on this on our blog about, you know, those foot patches. Mm. Uh, yeah. So we were looking at like how, how you can sort of take those images that are proven to work on the native platforms and then make it into a compelling YouTube ad. And sort of the, the analog is the first five seconds in YouTube are where someone can skip the ad. Mm. That's where you really want to grab someone's attention. And so you can think of using that same imagery that you might use in the, the, um, you know, the native image, like the native ad image that can be a good type of imagery to test in that first five seconds. And then at 10 seconds in the ad, what happens is, um, YouTube or Google registers what's called an engagement. So an engagement is 10, a 10 second view of the ad. And that's one of the metrics that's really important for determining how much you pay uh, per impression. So how much you pay, uh, for, for your traffic on YouTube for all the, the smart bidding campaigns. So you're paying like you're paying per impression. If you're doing any kind of like target CPA, where you're saying, Hey, Google, find me a, you know, find me a customer for this amount or find me a lead for this amount where you're saying, Hey, go find me conversions. Then you're paying for impressions. So, um, that, that, uh, first 10 seconds is crucial for that. So first five seconds, first 10 seconds. So take the, the native image and headline and, try to make a video where that imagery is incorporated in the first five seconds. And then you can think about the advertorial, think about your best performing advertorial, use that messaging as the first part of your ad. And then you can test that as a standalone ad driving to the next page that you would drive to from your pre-sell in your native funnel. So that can be another approach. The third thing I'll say is um, when you get a good VSL running or really any ad that you find a way to make work on YouTube, a lot of the, a lot of scale can be achieved by um, when you find a control ad, changing the first five to 10 seconds, because it's, you can make a massive difference. And we've done, we did a study where we looked at, we spent, I think it was $8 million on uh, 10 different ads. And they were the exact same ad, just a different intro, different 15 second intro. So you have 10 different intros. And we looked at it, so we were wondering, like, why did why did this one ad perform so much better when all the, the, whole, the whole ad's the same except for this intro? And so we wanted to look and see, like, what was the emotional impact this ad was having? How can we quantify this emotional impact this ad was having? So we actually did a study where we looked at the, um, the like, there's something called the Paul Ekman, who was a, 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 a psychologist, basically. He did this study on, like, micro-expressions. Right. So we did a cohort analysis of this. We, we looked at like 100 people on each ad and we analyzed their facial expressions for those first, actually for the full ad, but specifically for the first 15 seconds. And what would you guess, like, what would you guess would be the, the most 
common emotion? Like what would be the, the, the emotion that the best ad um, sort of elicited from the audience? What would you guess? Like surprise, anger, what would you guess? Joy, smiles. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, I thought, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. Uh, I thought it would be something like, like some kind of excitement, right? Turns out in this case, it was the most emotional flatline ad, like the most boring ad. And um, yeah, it was crazy. It, it, you never know, right? In, in this case, it led with the price. It literally led with the price, which is like almost a no-no for, you know, copywriting sort of, um, the, the copy copywriting canon will tell you, don't do that. Um, and who knows that that approach might not work for every for every type of offer, but point being, those intros really matter. So when you find a good ad that's that's winning, test new intros, and you get a, get a lot of mileage out of out of that. So those are my three three things. I, and I can go a lot more detail, but this is sort of a starting point. That is beautiful and so important. And I'm so glad that you mentioned uh, video sales letters because that's our specialty, right? I mean, we we partner with people that also create, you know, the standard e-com pages rarely, but VSLs mm -hmm. are, you know, are our love. And obviously it's, it's a different game from native or Facebook, but you are right. So many of the same, you know, principles with, with how to get your audience hook on how to focus on content because I, I, you know, I speak a lot about native and just hearing you talk about YouTube, it's, you know, a lot of the same stuff and the way you were just telling us about the, what worked and what didn't. I always say this, don't always, never actually, never assume that something is going to work just because it looks good, because your theme thinks it's going to sell, right? You need to test because you never know what people are actually going to click on, right? You would be surprised, but that's why we need to test all the time. But it's super interesting. That was so helpful to know, like the five second, uh, the 10 second, uh, mm -hmm. that those are very important. And I can imagine for, for YouTube ads. And I had a few more questions, but I've noticed a question here that actually ties in well. Uh, here it is. Would love to hear your thoughts on this one too, Ian. How long should the video ad be? Five minutes mm -hmm. or less, or maybe 15 seconds or less? What do you think? Yeah, so as long as it needs to be. Um, so like, like I was saying earlier, literally run your video sales letter your 45 minute sales letter as an ad test that to your order form if you have a converting bsl go for that and you'll hear like we actually um so we, really, we had an email go out that we, we sent out that uh, sharing some info we got from one of our reps like i think it was about a year year and a half ago mm -hmm. saying oh there's this there's a uh a, a cpm tax you pay if it's long the video is longer than three minutes um right and I heard right. about that. <laughs> yeah. So we, we actually like we were the sort of at least I know I, I just we sent out this email and all of a sudden all these other people were talking about it. Um so we heard it from our Google rep and we shared it with everybody. And even he said, like after the fact, he goes, you know what, there's not actually a tax. Yes, all things being equal, you will pay more for a longer video on YouTube. Um, if you think about it, it makes sense, right? It's an opportunity cost for Google if you're sitting there instead of click clicking around watching like 20 ads you're watching just one ad for 45 minutes you're going to pay for that but the thing is that you know the real metrics we want to look at are cpa what are you paying per customer and those longer ads typically are they're going to convert a lot better um so conversion rate is going to be much higher so i'll say this i would say so 
there, there's one sort of type of ad is this long form VSO. And then there's sort of a shorter video, sort of video that just is trying to get you to have a qualified click to the next page. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's more of a conversion mechanism to get you to buy. So we'll do, those videos usually are under three minutes for us. So usually two to three minutes. Um, so those are the kind of two types of videos that we typically run with from a length perspective, like two to three minutes, 45 minutes, and also like the sort of five-ish um, sort of mini VSL selling a lot of times for software where it's sort of like an explainer. Um, those are the three most common types of video, but you'll see, you look on Big Tower or any other spy tool, you'll see like there are a lot of different um, videos that are working, but those are the sort of the three main categories that we typically engage with. So I don't know if that helps. It helps a lot. And it's such good news because the truth is we spend a lot of money and time into creating the VSLs because, you know, the psychology is to get the customers to watch the entire VSL because they're going to order, you know, the average order value is going to be better if they watch the whole thing. So the fact that you're telling us, guys, it's okay to run the VSL as an ad, that is really good news, genuinely. I assume this is going to be very complicated having, I mean, we, we've tried a few things and we tried like a shorter ad that goes through the VSL, but that is, this is actually very good news. For sure. Give it a go. I think you'll be happy with the results. Amazing. Brilliant. Next question. Uh, how are YouTube ads different from Facebook or Instagram? or any other platforms that you've run in the past or you've been on youtube and you can have uh, an opinion on different platforms <laughs> no I've, I've definitely uh had my my account and personal account banned many times on facebook so oh. um <laughs> for my ad my ad efforts so I, can, <laughs> I can definitely we, we actually we manage pretty much i think uh we're, we're on i want to say pushing like 15 different platforms at this point so uh, a lot of different native platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. Um, even though we sort of, we built our business primarily around YouTube because it's, YouTube is a channel where if you can get a video to work on YouTube, it can work really well on Facebook, for instance, or Instagram, or specifically Facebook, not necessarily Instagram, because it's more like length restrictions there. Mm. But um, so I'll say this, the thing to remember about Facebook and Instagram is that they're really interruptive um, app platforms. So you think about the context you're on Facebook and Instagram, typically you're on mobile. Typically we're doing something kind of half doing one thing, maybe like waiting in line or something and we're scrolling, just kind of checking stuff. And then, Oh, here comes an image. That's kind of interesting. Oh, I'm going to click on that. So it's like an interruptive type of thing. Um, so it's high curiosity type of type of environment versus YouTube. We're typically going on YouTube to either learn something or be entertained. And we're usually looking for something specific or we're going down some rabbit hole and we're immersed in either a quest for knowledge or some kind of like, you know, um, trance like entertainment state. And so the ad needs to sort of match that. And so that's why, um, you know, you have people's full undivided attention on YouTube typically. And they're also it's a sound on environment. Typically, Facebook, Instagram are sound off. Um, so those are those are some keys to remember. Um, so the types of creatives that work on YouTube are going to be different than those on Facebook or Instagram. That's very, very helpful. Oh man, we have so many questions. Guys, let me, let me get my questions in and then it's your turn. All right. Brilliant. So what, what kind of scale have you seen possible with YouTube? 
Mm-hmm. Are we tracking a hundred, you know, a few hundred sales every day, thousands of sales per campaign? What type of scale is possible? And I know, obviously, it, uh, you know, it depends on the offer. But in, you know, you know, just because you are the expert when it comes to YouTube ads, what type mm-hmm. of scale do you think is possible? Oh yeah, I mean, massive scale. So hundred thousand dollars a day plus um, okay. is definitely possible with a good offer. And you know, obviously, at that scale. Everything needs to be dialed in your, you know, your customer service. <laughs> if you're selling a physical product, then obviously yeah. your all your logistics need to be dialed in. Um, otherwise, you're in, in for a world of hurt when people order things that don't arrive, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, in terms of like acquisition, there is enormous scale on YouTube. And that's one of the reasons why we love it mm. is because, you, you know, if you're hitting your, your front end metrics, you can scale very quickly. So, I mean you can you can never promise anything but when everything's lined up you know we've seen going from zero like a totally new account going from zero to spending you know 20k a day in under under you know under two weeks um and then just scaling up from there as well um <clears throat> the challenge is the creative so that's the biggest challenge and that's why if you already have a converting video sales letter you've already done the hard work of getting a converting creative you just kind of need to port it over to youtube and then also there usually there might be some adjustments on the intro side, but typically you have an amazing asset and you really want to, you know, test it out on YouTube if that's the case. Amazing. And I'm, I'm so curious because we on a daily basis, we use uh, a lot of tools, right, uh, for native, for social, even internally, right, to see uh, to run competitive analysis and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What, what are a couple of tools or a few tools that you guys use in the office a lot and that helps you be better at your job, even if it is creating ads, you know, checking what everyone else is doing, uh, keeping a close eye on your campaigns and, you know, to make sure everything converts, that you have your post back in check. Just tell me what tools you guys are using. That's always super helpful for us to know. Yeah, I mean, in terms of this competitive analysis and research, um most the biggest tool we use is the one we built ourselves so it's mm-hmm. it's and you can use it too it's free it's called vidtal and it's a free youtube ad library and so we have mind if i add it to the comments so everyone can yeah, see yeah ab- absolutely what else viditao.com so that's great for youtube ad research um we love adbeat for native ad research mm-hmm. adbeat's super helpful and then similar web similar web provides just an amazing amount of data um, and then SEMrush, we use SEMrush as well. And you, you can use, the, the cool thing is you can see like the, um, what's interesting about tools like SEMrush and, um, and um, um, sorry, oh, similar web, yeah. So is that you can see the organic, you can see the organic terms that people are searching for that lead to the, 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 the competitor site. So you can see how they're, you know, what sort of organic terms are valuable. You can orient, content around that so you can make content you can add those in as potentially like hooks or um features benefits etc for your actual your ads so i find that to be super helpful in terms of strategizing we well we, a lot of times we'll use stuff like miro which is an online whiteboard to kind of just drop a bunch of ideas down and mix and match mm-hmm. i have not used that yet so i'm yeah, not it's a great want to make a note too yeah, I mean, sometimes you spend all this money going to really fancy masterminds. And in the end, it's really important to know what tools others are using. Because yeah. if you 
it really helps you know be more productive and get you know what we need out of out of the day for sure yeah no absolutely amazing when it when it comes when it comes to uh spending budgets right so I always like people to know what they're getting good themselves into with, you know, with affiliate marketing, you know, well, you know, for native, if you want to start something on our brain, it's ideal to have at least $500 a day with Facebook or you can set a campaign, you can have 20 bucks a day and you can be running something. What type of budgets, obviously, in general, it can be broad. What type of budgets should we set aside as a new affiliate trying to run YouTube for the first time? What is my daily budget to actually have a chance to making something convert. Let's say we get a CPA of a hundred bucks because that's mm -hmm. what we actually pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would start with um, I would start with probably around five hundred bucks a day is a good starting budget. Um, you can do so. Typically, what we'll do on the targeting side is we're usually we're usually companies usually bring us in to scale on YouTube. So. So what I'm about to say is biased by that, where they already have, like maybe they're already scaling on native or maybe on Facebook or other email traffic. And they are most interested in finding out, can we make YouTube work as a, a scaling platform quickly? And so we'll often come in and have it in budget of one to $2,000 a day out of the gate. Um, but if you're, if you're trying to be really, start really sort of um, small and, and iterate, and to keep it really lean, um, you can go under that. I would just, let's say you have a CPA goal of a hundred bucks. You could also, um, yeah, you could do things like running maximized con conversion campaigns versus target CPA campaigns. Um, you can, you can split up your budget amongst like, let's say you have the top three in-market audiences that you got on your Google analytics that you're seeing for other, other sources of traffic, you can use those as, as targeting options um, and split the budget amongst those. But yeah, I mean like 500, 500 a day is, is, a, is a good starting point, I think for that situation. Yeah, very helpful, right? And I know it's always hard to answer questions like this, but it's so important to have a ballpark to know what, what to expect. Okay, amazing. So when things go wrong with YouTube, what's usually the cause? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that track track so the biggest problem is we usually encounter compliance mm. <laughs> that's where having human human contact at google is very helpful um number two is tracking so something breaking in the funnel so um could be anything but being on top of that so we usually like to have multiple sources of truth when we're running ads we always want to have be plugged into the back end and see the actual sales coming in for whatever traffic we're sending and uh, in real time, if possible, that way we can troubleshoot. Um, so those are the two main ones, but in terms of the sort of um, on the media buying and creative side, the, the, you know, if you have a creative that's working, that's, if you've cracked the code on one creative, that's fantastic. Um, then your challenge becomes avoiding creative fatigue and keeping that creative alive at scale, which means, like I said earlier, testing more hooks on that existing creative. And then also, spending about 10 to 20% on entirely new moonshot creatives. So entirely different style of creatives for VSL offers. I wouldn't, I would actually, you know, you can think about like maybe 10, 20% on entirely new types of hooks. So maybe like some weird comedic TikToker hook that somehow gets attention. Maybe it's um, going on backstage, like Peter Kell, um, 
you know, talked about this at our live event, which is going on backstage and getting a uh, backstage.com, getting like a nightmare story from someone related to the offer, um, tying that into the intro, all those sorts of things. So creative fatigue is a big challenge. Um, but yeah, in terms of getting to that point, it's all about the creative. The creative is, you know, the, not the 80, 20, it's like the, the 95, five to being able to have an offer work on, on YouTube. That's, that's really, really, you know, great advice. And I, you know, I made a mental note on the compliance aspect because I know this is true and I know, you know, with native, it's so important to have, you know, we have a good relationship with our brain or ref content or Taboola. Um, but if you're just getting started and you don't get a Google uh, rep, what's the best way to go about it? Or do you just have to be patient? Yeah, I mean, um, anyone here can email me and if you're if you're you know if you haven't if you have your own offer especially um i can set you up with one of our contacts at google they're always looking to help new businesses um if you're an affiliate then to be honest um well a couple of things one sort of unconventional thing is try to go to go to events go to events like um affiliate world um do some linkedin just head hunting and try to get contacts all the networks you know, you know, um, Anna, you know, James Van Ellswick, right? Of course. Of course. Yeah. I actually wanted to wear my geek out with the sweater today. but I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, James, James is a great guy, an amazing uh, business owner and, and uh, also has an amazing history with native ads with his own agency and offers. And so James actually moved to Tel Aviv at one point to go basically sit by the Outbrain and Tubal offices and make contacts with people and because the reps have, they, like, you know, Anna, you know better than I do. The reps are, that's your golden ticket on those platforms. So same thing applies here. Um, I mean, we have, like I said, you know, on, on Google, I've been, the Google reps we have access to are amazing. And they're providing creative strategy as well. And they see everything that's happening across all accounts. Very curious people. So you can get a lot of insights that aren't really, you know, they're not like, no one's going to hand you the, oh, here's the campaign that this other offer is running. Right. But you might be able to say, hey, did you think about a creative like this, you know, X, Y, and Z? Try this out or stuff like that. So it's all about, just like you're saying, masterminds. Um, I think that making these personal connections is key, um, especially if you're serious about making this, you know, digital advertising, your line of work, your, you know, your livelihood, then your network is your net worth. And that applies to, um, really having a relationship with these ad platforms as well. So yeah, put in the hard work there and, and like here we are in Mountain View right now trying to go meet with Google. Um, That's so, fantastic. Our, yeah. our team was in uh, Ibiza last week and uh, they know one of the main things I underlined before they took the trip, make sure you meet with Google. Absolutely. <laughs> we're there, right? And it's, I, I agree. And, and guys, I promise Ian and I did not discuss this before the call, but this is advice that I always give, especially with other platforms is that easy. If you're not a nice person, you try to build a report. They are humans just like us. They want to work with people they understand. They want to work with people they can trust. If you show them you're serious, this is your career. You're trying to make some good ads to make money for, you know, legit campaigns. They want you to succeed, right? It, but it's really hard to put a, you know, a, a person's face if you're just behind the computer. It's, it's so much harder. So that's that's brilliant advice. And obviously, I, I agree with that. 
And I'd say that goes for also if you're an affiliate getting offers or if you're anything doing anything, then go to, it's like the ultimate shortcut. Like Anna, why does this, why are we having this podcast now? It's because we met in Barcelona, right? Exactly. So, exactly. so it's, it's like, that's, if there's any shortcut to anything, it's all about these relationships. Um, so getting on calls with people, doing podcasts, getting, uh, meeting people in person is like the ultimate accelerant for all this. It's like just, that's the shortcut. Um, and yeah, just going, hanging out and just being a good person and, and giving, delivering value. Like, hey, what can I do for you? Um, that kind of, that's going to be the way to go. So for sure. I love it. I agree. All right, guys, I'm, I'm coming. I see so many questions. Do you mind if we take a few? Do I don't know. Can you read the comments too? I'm going to just mm -hmm. read them out loud because some people love to just listen to us on Spotify. Mm -hmm. So we got to Carol's. Okay, next one. KEN, do you start with a broad targeting and then lower the GEOs? I think mm -hmm. that's a question because, you know, native, you start like worldwide. And then if something does good on the US and Canada, you just widen or uh, change the GEOs. How do you do it on YouTube? Or you just get some insight from the product owners as to where to target? I mean, getting insights from the product owners is always helpful. And if they have any kind of restrictions on geo, then we want to, of course, abide by that. But typically, we'll start on, on, uh, on a country level and we'll do, let's say, U.S. And if we can make U.S. work, um, let's say it's a, like, a, like a software product, then we would, you know, then we, we would just go, we would test worldwide from there as well, English speaking worldwide. Um, for any kind of supplement offer, you know, let's say on the... So yeah, that's the geo, the geo level. In terms of targeting, yeah, we're, we're typically looking for um, the, so there's a couple ways you can target, on, a few, many ways you can target on Google, but usually out of the gate, we're doing a few things. So like I mentioned earlier, we're looking at, um, we might even test, we might test a demographic campaign. We might test like US men 45 up or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we might test that, we might test, the in-market audiences, which is all the, Google, the data Google has on your behavior online. Like, oh, all of a sudden Ian starts searching for a Tesla, then I'm in market for a Tesla. Like I'm actually, my behavior has suddenly shifted where I'm looking for something where I wasn't previously. You can target people around that. Um, and then I think one of the coolest things about Google is something called a custom audience. It used to be called like a custom intent audience and maybe it's called something different now. I'm not the one, our, our team building all the campaigns or audiences, but the, the um, the concept remains the same, which is you can dump in your, let's say, competitor keywords, competitor URLs, and basically say, hey, I want to go after, um, you know, these particular types of people who would visit a site like, um, you know, drgundry.com or whatever, gundrymd.com. And then you can actually target those people because Google has data on those people. And um, so you can make thematically grouped uh, custom audiences around that, which can be super helpful. And then on the super granular level, you can target um, placements. You can target certain channels on YouTube, certain videos, actually. We don't do much of this, to be honest, because most of the views for videos happen in the first 72 hours. So a lot of, you might see a video with, um, you know, 100 million views, but it might be mostly dead inventory, meaning you're not going to get that much traffic off of that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of an overview of the way we target. But typically, we'll start broad because we're really only interested. Like the way we work typically is we want to have proof, proof of concept that a creative can work at scale, an offer can work at scale, and so that's why we we're usually going after broad audiences or relatively broad audiences first.
That's super helpful. Thank you. Okay, amazing. I hope that was that was helpful. Now, uh, the next question is on spy tools. Um, any good spy tools for YouTube, or is that something you don't recommend? Uh, I know you already replied, uh, you know, and I think we're all gonna check uh, Vitello. Um, how do you guys uh, get the information? I mean, are other marketers allowed to share what works for them? Um, I'm obviously assume you guys do share what works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can see some of our clients are on Vital. You can definitely see what they're doing. Um, but you can, uh, so what we do is we have a plugin, a Chrome plugin. And so what you do is you you load the Chrome plugin. And then while you're on YouTube, if you see an ad that you like, that you want to, um, this is actually the first tool we built was this tool. So it's a Chrome plugin so that if you see an ad that you like, you can just click on the, the plugin and it will save it to your swipe file in Vital so that you can you can look at it later. Um Otherwise, if you don't do that, then it just disappears and you can never, oh, I saw this amazing ad, you know, but this allows you to, to, to build your swipe file. And so in doing that, we have, uh, I think, 53,000 users now. So people are doing this all day. So there's just more and more ads added to the mix. Brilliant. Super helpful. I'm really excited to, to give it a try. Okay. Uh, this is a good one. Do you think weight loss or health are better for YouTube? as a niche in general. Uh, we do have the two categories. We usually do more health, but I know a lot of affiliates focus on weight loss. So I'm really curious, uh, you know, besides software, what do you run a lot? Oh yeah, a lot of health, a lot of health offers. Um, so yeah, weight, I mean, weight loss in terms of like weight, certain weight loss supplements maybe are not compliant on YouTube depending on the messaging. Um, but again, it's always, always worth a test. And, but yeah, health is huge. The 50 plus demographic is massive on YouTube. And we, you know, our biggest clients or some of our biggest clients are health offers catering to those folks. So, oh, yeah. The offers that we create. So I'm happy to hear you say that, obviously. <laughs> That's great. All right, Vic. Uh, hey, Ann, do you need a YouTube channel to advertise? I assume just a Google account, right? But maybe I'm wrong. You do yeah, need a you do need a channel, but you don't need any kind of history. You can just you can create a channel and then in ten minutes link it up with your your Google account, and it doesn't have to have any history. And um, there's no real, yeah. There's just don't don't let that be an obstacle. Just make a make a quick channel, link it up to your Google account, and then go. Amazing, very good. All right, Vital. All right, uh, is the creative script or video scenes more important? Yeah, it's actually a good question. Um, so I have a, a friend who used to work at a company called Six Pack Shortcuts. If you remember from like maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, they're yeah. huge. They're a huge, huge, uh, they're one of the first direct response advertisers to really crack the code on, on YouTube. So Johnson, Johnson Lee is his name. Um, he actually has a really great Facebook group you should join. Just look up Johnson Lee. Uh, I'm there, I'm there. <laughs> there. And it has a link. So Johnson has a great group about this and Johnson, he has some awesome advice on YouTube. He's made he's badass YouTube marketer, um, but he said something interesting, which was you should see like look at the ad with the sound off and see like you get it with no with no audio. Um, mm. So I think it's really what you show is extremely important to making the ad work. Um, but it does all start with how you design the ad, how you in terms of what's said, what's what's said, what's shown usually corresponds to what's said. Um, so I think what's shown on screen starts from the script that you create typically. And, um, so yeah, that's, 
that's a massive, massive uh, leverage point is, is really nailing those scripts. And that's wow. why on, for instance, on, you know, on our tool, you can grab the transcript for ads and see like, um, you know, second zero zero to second zero three, here's what's said. And you can kind of, that's, this is actually a helpful tip. So look at your competitor's ads, download transcripts, and then try to understand what's, what are they trying to do in each of these timeframes? Like, what's their intention here? Like, what are they, are they, are they echoing a problem or like a nightmare scenario back to the viewer? Are they providing social proof? Like what kind of social proof? Or are they making an amazing um, offer, reason to click through, et cetera, just breaking things down, understanding the elements that play is really important. Super helpful. I'm, uh, I'm gonna remember this. When you look at an ad, turn on, uh, turn off the, the sound and see if you understand the, the vibe and what we're trying to portray. Mm -hmm. That's a, a good advice when you create a good VSL also, right? <laughs> Except for sure. the, the shock and whatnot. All right, brilliant. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, for how long should I test an offer to determine uh, if a campaign is successful or a failure? That's a good one, just because you know, I mean, how many days you you let the, the campaign live if you don't have any conversion and you know you're supposed to get a CPA? How long until you cut your losses usually? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it depends on your it depends on your position. So, if you're an affiliate and you, you have a limited number of dollars to spend and you you know you want to um, maximize the number of offers you test to find that winning offer that you're going to be able to scale to the moon with. Um, your my suggestion might be a little bit different, but um, but basically, um, I would say for us, usually we'll spend a thousand dollars per creative to test, and usually that'll be so. We'll test maybe spend like five thousand dollars per um, per offer to test. Yeah, but you can like dramatically reduce it. Yeah, I agree. With 5K, we always say this. With 5K, usually know if it has legs to stand on. I'm not saying exactly. you're going to be money after $5,000, but at least you'll know if it makes sense to continue running it or not. So I'm glad you yep. said that. Amazing. All right, Nicholas, are you looking to target a specific CTR to determine a winner? We're So I think click-through rate is, is important. Um, it's definitely one of – so people uh, – when I mentioned earlier about someone watching to 10 seconds as an engagement, another way that Google defines an engagement is someone clicking. Um, so these are ways that that Google defines the cost of traffic. And also, obviously, if you want the ad to work, you've got to get people to click through. So um, it is important to look at click-through rate. However, um, the way we're usually evaluating success is dollars in, dollars out. So how much money do we spend? What do we, what do we generate from that? Or what CPA do we hit? Um, etc. And that being said, you know, generally we're looking for click-through rates of above one percent. But I will say this: at scale to really broad audiences, you know, that can be significantly lower and still wildly profitable and successful. Um, I think our like our our best performing campaigns we're spending you know close to six figures a day. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times are super broad offers. They're they're not hitting one percent click through rate in all cases. Like it might be under, you know, it might be like 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.7. Again, it just depends on, um, you know, what what the dollars in dollars out results are. But all things being equal, we are usually trying to to get that um that CTR higher because it makes a difference. Amazing, thank you. All right, next one. Which tool you use for tracking? 
um, for tracking. So it depends. So we, we we have our we have our own tools that we built that are that look at campaigns holistically in terms of um, like a lot of times in your track if you have something that's you're selling on the D 2 C front you're also selling on Amazon and you're selling across the board um, and you have a bunch of traffic channels in the mix um, it can be helpful to look at something called media mix modeling which is basically a it's a probabilistic tracking um, it's actually really old technology it's from the uh, it's from the 60s, I believe, when they had ENIAC computers. <laughs> and only companies like Coke or, um, you know, big multinationals could afford these, this computing power. But they could tell you, like, okay, we put a billboard here. How did it uplift sales in this in this geo? And they could see, like, okay, it actually made, this is the difference it made. Um, so, but now with computing power so cheap, it's much easier to, to deal with that. Um, but yeah, so that's on one level, kind of the more holistic level, use tools like that. And then, um, you know, a lot of our clients will use high rows or wicked reports or, you know, we'll use affiliate tracking too. So it just depends on the situation and what we're trying to accomplish. Amazing. All right. So usually I try very hard to keep the podcast short and sweet because I know when we, when we nerd out, we can, you know, talk about specific topics for hours. So Last question. If you want our audience to take one thing out of today's podcast, just, you know, it can be advice or something that you think it's super important for them to know about YouTube ads, a bit of wisdom from, from you, what, what would that be? Yeah. So I would say, um, I think the guy, Ryan Levesque actually said this, like first person I heard say this, uh, emulate before you innovate. Mm. So don't try to recreate the wheel. See what your competitor is doing, see what other types of ads are working in your market, and then mm -hmm. craft your ads following as closely as possible on um, you know what they're doing. Peter Kell, another brilliant video sales letter marketer, said the same, which is, you know, the spy tools are the books that he reads. The spy tells tell you what's working. They show you what's working. And then you break those ads down you'll see the secret for making a successful offer, really. So those are the two things that I would, I would say. Amazing. So helpful. And Ian, thank you so much for taking the time. We are honored to have you here and we will take you up on that. We will, you know, if we can email you, especially, you know, the product owners and the ones that have offers, if we can shoot your emails, we will definitely take you up on that. Awesome. And an honor to be on your podcast. It was great to see you in Barcelona. Hope to see your team in San Diego and then, um, sure. and, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the future. Absolutely. You are wonderful. And it's, it's always so good to brainstorm with, with beautiful minds. So thank you, Yen. And thank Thanks, you. Everyone. Thank you so much for being here and everyone, you are amazing. Please drop any comments if you have them for us. So we will, we will go back to Yen and ask if we don't know the answer. So keep the comments coming. I know it's the middle of the night for you guys, for a lot of you. So if you're going to wake up tomorrow and you have a few questions, we are here for you. So have a brilliant day and thank you for listening and tuning in. Awesome. Thank you, Anna. And thank you.